You're listening to United Q Podcast. We're brought to you by ProQ, Kamado Joe, Thermopen, and Smokewood Shack. ProQ's extensive range of bullet smokers, reverse flow, and gravity-fed smokers will suit all, from the home enthusiast to the big volume caterer. Kamado Joe, the king of ceramics, is renowned for build quality and innovation. When smoking, roasting, or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Thermapen Instant Read Thermometers. Take the guesswork out of barbecuing with the super fast Thermapen. Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent. Just carry Sorry. Okay. <laughs> and on this week's show, you've got me and Dan. It's a shambles. He's already crashed uh, hello. at the intro and the vocals and everything. We could stop and start <laughs> again, but I don't think it's really our style, is it? No, no, no. Let's just go with it. Yeah. Um, I'm in Tokyo. I'm in bed. I'm, I'm in bed. Cause it's not together. <laughs> really early in the morning. It's really uh, my wife's idea. trying to sleep next to me, Jersey, and I'm recording a podcast. And uh, yeah, you quite often read when you're in full bed, jazz. Jersey, Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have no reason really to be in bed, and you're all in bed, so it's I think the, it's you that's a bit jazzy. Half ten. Oh God, half yeah. ten. Well, you know I go to bed at ten, so I'm already up late. <laughs> I don't, oh, main, don't maintain this like awesome young look by going to bed late. <laughs> no, it's but by eating my barbecue food. Quality beard time. That is because your hair and nails grow when you're asleep, don't they? So if you go to bed earlier, you get a longer beard. Is yours still a beast at the minute if you trimmed it back down? Because no, last time back. I saw... Oof. Mm, weak. I've lost strength now. I'm like Samson. <laughs> yeah it's you must be really weak then because you didn't have much strength before <laughs> oh, I've been trying to grow this beard I thought that would help <laughs> it was getting like really it was getting a beast it was getting yeah. like really really long yeah I could lift like my own plate and everything <laughs> <laughs> you lift the, the the lid up on a, a Kamarajo original yep pre <laughs> pre strut on there to make it easier to lift <laughs> Now you now anyone can do it, so it's it's just not a feat. But yeah. anyway, 
I keep seeing calling that, actually, from Japan. Yeah, I was just going to while we quickly mention that. I just saw today quite a few people now getting their hands on an eye command from Komodo Joe. Oh really? Yeah, I think they're still like only. I think they've sent out a hundred of them or something to some for people who registered to say they were interested yeah, in testing early. it out. Uh, okay. But I've seen them now, a few of them out there, so it looks cool. Anyone in the UK seen? Um, I don't think I've seen anyone in the UK, but if you've got one, let us know and let us know what you think. If you're yeah, in love, be interesting. it might be secret. <laughs> because they've been talking about it now for, I mean, it must be almost a year. Yeah. They've been talking about it. Or not just talking about it, but actually, it's got to be about a year ago that Bobby released the sort of picture of what it looked like to be a temp controller on one. I remember like mm. it was ages ago on Facebook and it was uh, done via a post from him. And that's it's got to be quite a long time in the making. And yeah. uh, But typical Mario obviously, I guess, want it to be top quality. And I've heard through the grapevine, they've got some pretty serious uh, people working on it who have uh, made successful temp bit controllers as well. Mm. So, yeah, and I think that it's going to be a, a bit of a beast, to be honest. Yeah, it's like the whole like kind of temp control and monitoring markets getting quite good and competitive now. We got we got that one. We had Flame Boss on a little while ago, and um, coming up in a few weeks' time, we'll have Tappy Q on for an episode as well. So yeah, it's good and their product. I really like. Well, obviously, we'll do a podcast and talk about theirs. But the thing I really like about the Tappy cues like the fact that it's it's not about a, a pit controller. It's just a really good way of monitoring everything. And you've got like four probes that you can easily connect up to it and monitor all four of them, and it kind of works standalone and on Wi-Fi and all the rest of it. So it's pretty flexible, pretty cool product. Um, you can oh, cool. You can get them on uh, max dot com. Nice. Mm. Um, so you're in Tokyo. Yes, I am indeed, and I've been in Japan now for about 12 days, and I have another few days left in Tokyo, and I just thought I'd call in to chat about some of my uh, barbecue experience so far over here. I feel like I've seen you like having places where you've just been sat at a table with a, like, a little barbecue built into the table and stuff. Yeah, so there's a... Yeah, basically, yeah. There's a few different sort of styles. You've got the, uh, the Japanese sort of comro. You've got the... Uh, we also have the sort of Sichuan-style grills that are sort of built into a table in the middle. And you sort of sit around it. And, and also, we've also been in places where they've had gas ones as well. And literally, you just order, basically, a big plate of meat. And they bring it all out to you. And you grill it up. And you eat it. And it's that simple that easy but also with the best beef in the world which then spikes up a bit and makes it a little bit more exciting especially for me so i've been trying like uh well for me again uh, growing up in not growing up but sort of like being in the food world (laughs) (laughs) you hear about wagyu beef and how it just carries this weight with it and Wagyu beef is this and Wagyu beef is that. And again, like back in the UK, you get like Wagyu beef burgers and stuff in, I don't know, some chain 
pub restaurant or something and it's just not really that great to be honest and i don't know you you don't really it's not something you experience much of because it's not it's pretty rare i guess uh you don't really get it in your average butcher in your average supermarket and uh and yeah it's just a name you grew up with thinking that it's the creme de la creme so then when it comes to japan and i actually realize it it just means japanese cow wagyu I then think that I'm in heaven. Uh, And then out of the Wagyu beef, there is sort of what's considered the premium, the premium uh, breeds. And you've got uh, Hida, which is an area. And uh, basically there's Matsuzuka, there's uh, Kobe, and there's... Uh, Ori, I think, I believe. Just trying to think back to all the steak that I've eaten in these <laughs> recent weeks. It's quite, I believe Ori. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so basically, like, I mean, I was reading when I was in one of the one of the restaurants in Osaka, and we were having Matsuzuka beef, and basically, like, it was saying that. Uh, let me just, I mean, this is one of those like, weird stories, but I'm going to have to research on the internet. But basically, the, uh, they are, it's, it's from a, a virgin cow, okay? And it's, uh, so female-only cattle, it's virgin-only cows that are slaughtered. And then, uh, it has to be, it has to have been grown has to have lived within a certain radius in these in a in a mount or in an area in Japan. So quite particular, and it has to be uh, to be considered Matsuzuka has to be a hundred percent Matsuzuka. It can there can there is no like fifty percent Matsuzuka, fifty percent something else. And like again, going through COVID, there's all these rules attached to being considered one of these major names in the wagyu beef sort of circuit yeah so all and those not are of... wagyu beef but they're all just yes. different different areas and different kind of ways of breeding yeah. or bringing them up or yeah yeah basically they're, they're, they're all different areas of japan which are renowned for for being the best of the best mm-hmm. so when you go into like a, a beef store here for instance which they have <laughs> and uh, you look at the counter, what will be the sort of uh, highest priced and normally sort of around the A5 grade and the higher grades will be the Matsusukas, the Kobe's, the uh, Hida's. They're all, they're all the more expensive brands. And then you've also just got the, the general Wagyu beef, which doesn't really tend to have a name attached to it, like the Hida's and the Matsusukas and the rest of it. But, yeah, I mean, I'd heard of Kobe beef before I came over. But the, to be completely honest, I hadn't really heard of uh, Hida, Matsuka, or Ori beef. So, to my surprise when I arrived and found out that basically in Japan that Matsuka is considered the, the best. And they don't really tend to export it much because there isn't much of it, to be honest. Uh, there's not an awful lot of it being produced. I think each cow sells for like 
I think when I was looking on, it's like three hundred thousand pounds or something each cow sells for, like slaughtered. What? So, <laughs> yeah. So it's not a cheap steak, then, is it? It's not a cheap steak <laughs> at all. And the way you I mean, so basically, like I went to this place and uh, it was matsuk beef, and you order a plate of beef, and it is just uh, they call it sort of rare cuts for instance or less rare cuts and the rare cuts would be something there's only a small amount of on each cow because then obviously amongst uh the only minimum cows that slaughter per year it's, it's extremely rare meat of that animal whereas some of the larger cuts which you get more out of is the less rare meat so it doesn't necessarily mean that it's better quality it just means that there's uh less of it and that's how they sort of price it up so you can order a plate of less less rare meat or the very rare meat which is how rare it is to come across basically mm-hmm. <laughs> and That's then uh, they bring the plate out to you yeah and in each cut it's sliced into very thin slices you have your uh common grill in front of you uh blaring out some serious heat and you just literally, you get given some skills at the table and you can grill it to your liking, which really doesn't take an awful lot. And uh, just enjoy it. And I just remember back to the Matsuka experience and I'd, I put the piece of beef in my mouth and it was genuinely nothing I've ever had before in my life. It was uh, a real, real treat. It was uh, in my mouth just filled with the taste of uh the the beautiful fat and it just absolutely melted in my mouth it was it was just genuinely delicious so rich it was unbelievable it was just it was just honestly i I can't even really describe it now how great it was Mm. and just the just the beautiful beefiness as well that was attached to it and coming through from the fats and it was just genuinely delicious and i've always sort of heard everyone talk about like how like with wagyu and stuff like oh you only need a small bit you only need a small bit and i'm like okay that's fine like it may be really rich or whatever but it's still not going to be full like yeah you may feel like you don't want to eat any more wagyu but you're not going to be full uh but it's just so true. It's so rich and so satisfying and you you enjoy every mouthful that you don't really need a lot at all. So it's, it's just it's a really, really interesting experience, a really interesting sort of a difference on beef for me. Because I've not really I've I've had I've bought Wagyu steaks in the UK. I've bought Maybe, I mean, nothing to this sort of marbling, I have to say. Because, I mean, I think to get this sort of marbling in the UK, you were talking hundreds of pounds for a steak. Yeah. Uh, But I've not come across it, to be honest. And over here, it's not big steaks you're buying. You're buying, like, three slices of a piece of meat. And normally, like, on your plate, you have three different types of that. So you'd have, like, nine little slices of beef. And that's all you're really getting. So it, it works out a lot cheaper and you're at the source. So it's it's obviously a little bit cheaper again. So you're going to send me a brisket back or something? <laughs> well, do you know what, right? <laughs> they actually, yeah, uh, brisket, 
and cheek and uh, tongue. Uh, let's go through some sort of tougher cuts. Yeah, so like those sort of cuts are short rib. Mm. Uh, all of those, all of those cuts are thinly sliced and grilled and are tender to die for. Cheek was the most surprising to me out of them all. I ordered some cheek and I was just, I don't know, like obviously you have all these preconceptions of cuts because you cook them all the time and you know what they're like, you know how they need to be cooked, etc., etc. And uh, I don't know. And also I've been to some Korean restaurants and ordered some uh, short rib or some uh, cheek they do as well. And they do tongue as well. And sometimes, most of the time, it can be quite chewy and just not amazing, to be honest, even when it's sliced thin. Some of it can be nice. But in Japan, when we we ordered the cheek the other day, and out of the whole plate, it was my absolute favourite. And it was so tender, it was unreal. And that was just sliced thinly and just cut on the grill. You're not talking like wafer thin, though, here. You're talking like maybe three to four mils, five mils maybe. Yeah. Yeah, well, actually, sorry, three to four mils probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say half centimetre. That sort of thickness. So it's not like paper thin. Like and a, like still... Like a slice of bacon type thickness. Yeah, like a, imagine like a thick cup, uh, like a thick cup bacon probably. Mm. That's probably the sort of thickness we're talking. Uh, and, yeah, and it's, it's so tender and I just didn't expect it. It's all... And uh, I had to double check that they'd give me cheek. And I was like, it was just so, so tender. I couldn't believe it. And uh, the flavor was just phenomenal. And it was absolutely delicious. And it's just been an absolute treat, to be honest, then going to these different areas of Japan and getting to try their beef. And I have to say the Matsuka for me is is my favorite. I don't know whether it was because it was the first one we tried. And... I'll forever be biased towards that because it was just a, it was a real, real foodie moment for me. And I genuinely, you don't really have that many of them. I don't feel you don't have that many, especially when you're eating food from all over the world on a, on a regular basis, Mm. like a lot of us do. Yeah. Uh, And, and eating in top end restaurants and really nice places and, and checking out all the new places on the scene it's not very often you have a real what i consider to be like a real foodie experience and i, and I genuinely think it was a, it was a real real treat and uh yeah um since then i've also had many treats and uh, it's been a fantastic experience it's been really really great and and the beef has just been phenomenal is i think like, a beef must just be that thing that you get the ultimate one don't you because they uh, I think we already talked about it on the podcast before when I went to Noel Davidson's Noala restaurant in London. That that was for me it was the best steak I've ever eaten in my life, and like still now, just I've I've had a few steaks since, and they're kind of almost like they don't taste of anything now. I'm just like that's it for me. That's that's done it. Like I can't find anything as good as that. I even messaged him on Facebook the other day again. Where can I buy one of those sticks, please, mate? (laughs) (laughs) Again, I think back to um, previous to that. uh, I went to a place called Carnivore that was in in Spain. And uh, it was 120-day aged uh, T-bone. And it was absolutely phenomenal. And that was probably my favorite steak that I ever had previous to that. 
And and do you know what? To be completely honest, Has what I ate here and what I ate there, they're like two different things. They're not the same thing. This is what I'm like. This is what in my mind I'm so thinking. Why is it's it not, not the same thing? What's what's, what's happening? <clears throat> well, I'd have to say like if if I was to enjoy which mouthful I enjoyed more, it would be probably the wagyu that I've had over here. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, it, it's sort of like comparing, uh, and I'm not going to say which one's which, and I don't mean it like this. But it's sort of like comparing Domino's pizza, or like a, just let's just say a deep pan sort of Chicago pizza, mm-hmm. to a uh, to like a traditional Italian pizza. Yeah. So to me, like when someone says pizza, like I think of like really in my head is a traditional sort of Italian pizza, and then Domino's to me, or let's not say, or just like a deep pan, they're like two different things. They're not pizzas, in my opinion. Like, and they both equally have their place in my heart. <laughs> and uh, as much as I do love, like a Domino's or something as well. Stop every saying Domino's. <laughs> okay, Snominos. Although I do love a Snominos or a like a deep pan sort of Chicago or something like that every now and again, and I think they're fantastic. I don't think you can compare it to a like an Italian like a proper Italian pizza. Like they're, they're not comparable things. They're like really completely different things. Mm-hmm. And, and okay. And it's so which is going to be harder then? for me to justify. <laughs> it's going to be hard for me to justify in the beef world. Cause they are both beef and they aren't different things, but they really, really are different things. And it's, it's different flavor profiles and different, I don't know, just different eating really. But I wouldn't say any is particularly better than the other. And I really, really enjoyed that kind of experience. And I'm sure that, like, the beef that Nar Davidson's getting from, uh, is it, which, which islands is it? The um, Isle of Skye, is yeah, it? Yeah, Skye is what I wanted to say, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I think it's that. Yeah, I mean, the beef is, is not to, I mean, not saying it's any better than the one I had in Spain or the one I had here or whatever but I just feel that like steak can be really different eating and like I would probably say that my steak in Spain was a probably a comparable to Niles more than what my steak over here is comparable to either to be honest because I think you're looking for different things and you're eating them differently in different circumstances and you're, you're eating them in a different way. And it's, it's, it's just very interesting that for me, like that's when I think of stuff, I think of like, I like, get yeah, pizza, like that isn't what is, what is pizza? For, and I can't, I can't compare in my head, like a great pizza I had in Italy to a, a great takeaway pizza I have in the UK, for instance. Yeah. And I think that almost the beef is the same. Like in my mind, it's the best beef I've ever eaten, but that's not, taken away from like some of the tremendous like British beef I've had or uh, Spanish beef I've had or, or whatever it may be. I mean, I had a fantastic bit of uh, beef from France. It was, uh, like a, I think it was 12 year dairy cow retired and it was fantastic, beautiful flavor. And, and again, like it's, it's, it's just so different. And I would say that 
that is more comparable to my Spanish experience in the carnival restaurant, which I would imagine would probably be more uh, comparable to the Nile Davidson experience as well in Nala. I would imagine that those yeah. beefs are of a similar comparison, uh, maybe not similar in in the in when we actually taste them next to each other they may not be similar but I would, I would say that they're they're more similar to at least compare with each other where I think that what, the wagyu that I've had over here I don't know it's just almost sort of different <laughs> the, the Isle of Mull it was that's where Isle of Mull yeah Isle of Mull I remember him coming on and it was I think it's probably because we're both not uh hugely read up on the islands of Scotland and yeah. the Isle of Skye is probably the only one we know of. Yep, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I know of the Isle of Arran, actually. I always but... remember his podcast as well, because probably, I don't know if people would be aware of it, but it was like a disaster podcast for us, wasn't it, when we were like interviewing him and we had like a lightning struck and it killed all our equipment halfway through the podcast and stuff. Twice as yeah, well? twice. And we were like, having, we were on different days, I think, as well, wasn't it? I don't even. It was, it was just like absolutely craziness. To happen to him. <laughs> but also, like, it was really good. It yeah. was. It was so good, and and I don't know. It's, it's always strange in in the podcast. Like sometimes like, things do happen. Things do go wrong, and we do lose guests, or we do lose uh, like recording or whatever. Like if I mean, lightning striking a building is pretty serious. We've yeah. also had uh, a roof a roof leaking yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> and causing issues and stuff like that. So like things do happen and it's, it's just so annoying when you've chatted to someone like so the podcast. I mean, like you can tell from the very start of this podcast, when I ruined it, the podcasts <laughs> are pretty warm. We just want to talk to someone and we get into it. Like there's nothing sort of really fake about it. There's nothing like premeditated about it. There's nothing like that. And no, it'd be sometimes nice if when you have a, a really sometimes really wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but it's just nice when you've had an amazing conversation with someone yeah and that really comes across in the podcast and then also what on the flip side of that is if something happens like with an Al Davidson one and then you have to try and re-record what you've done it just really loses mm. so much of its value and so much of its just all the great bits that came out just aren't quite the yeah. same anymore but he still was really a really great guest and, and he really managed like to, to bear with us whilst we yeah. ruined it <laughs> twice and, and fumbled around <laughs> yeah it was really interesting to hear all about uh the beef and his sort of his journey is is, is a slightly different journey as well and yeah it's just been really really cool and to hear people like richard turner and and you and and a few others like uh, Christian and yeah. people like that saying that it really is the best restaurant they've ever eaten in is yeah. is a is a tremendous sort of uh, respect to him and, and Colin McSherry as well. We have to get Colin on, really. Yeah, yeah, we do. And I think is it like Ian Mackay or something like that? Ian, Ian McKay. Ian, McKay? Ian McKay. I think he's yeah, he's a um, from. Torloisk Farm or something like that. I can't remember the exact name, but uh, okay, I need yes. to listen back to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the the producer of the beef. Hmm. Yeah, we should get him on as well. 
But I need to get some yeah. of this beef. I think you can get it from Turner and George, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can. Okay, so when he, when you messaged him, he came back to you and said Turner and George. I don't think he did, but I think I saw it on <laughs> on Twitter, I think. Okay. I saw, saw the Interesting. tweeted that they had some. So um, I think that'll be my next time I'm up that area, get some. See if I can... Yeah. See if I can get those flavors back from that night, because at the moment that's still like it's made me not want steak because that steak was just too good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. every other one I was out the other night, and, a, and steak's like never cheap on a menu, is it? When you go to a restaurant, but no, I, th- I, I was out and I was like, oh, I just treat myself. I haven't had a good steak for quite a while, so I'll, I'll treat myself. It was like thirty quid, I think, for the steak on the menu. And I got it, and I was, it was cooked perfectly. It was like everything, but it was just, just something missing. It was just, I was eating for it, going, oh, yeah, it's like all the right texture and everything, but it's just the flavor. And I think before, before I'd had that from Nala, I was just like, that's kind of what steak's like, and I like the texture of it, and it is nice. But then since I've had it from there, it's kind of ruined all other steak for me at the moment. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's going back to like, I think that's why I try and categorize them as different things. Cause I just think they are, they are. And you've got to like, you can't, you can't then for the rest of your life be expecting every steak to be that great. So then I think that like you, you have these different levels of things. So like, even if you were to put like what I was saying earlier, like the steak from Noala, the, the one from France, the one from Spain in the same categories and then move them up again. And then you've got, another category of your what you would say like your standard steak your day-to-day steak and then like you've got to then like not really pitch them against each other they are different things do you know what I mean? you're not going to expect from a, a 28 a 28 day uh, bag aged steak from morrison's for instance you're not going to expect Stop the same guys. from that as you <laughs> morrison's as you would from maybe a 120 day dry aged bit of steak from Tanner and George, for instance. Yeah. But just quickly, right before we go on, I don't know if you've been able to like see this or not from where you are, but like where are they stand on the kind of dry aging and stuff like that with, with the meats that you're having? Is that like a standard thing that they do with Wagyu in Japan or is it, is it, they're just they're not worrying about that sort of thing because the beef's just so good from from what i believe people are dry aging it across the world is is happening as as a natural it's going to happen people are going to take uh, a really expensive steak and make it more expensive by dry aging it and intensifying those flavors even further uh it's going to happen and people are doing it around the world and that's that's all good but the, the beef the beef you get here isn't uh, aged as such, dry aged as such. Uh, so it's 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 just what you would say is like fresh beef. That's what, yeah. what you would say it, it is you're getting. So that's what I've experienced over here so far. But mm. uh, yeah, I've not really come across sort of uh, the dry aging over here in Japan. But I know in America particularly and also i've seen in restaurants in london they're offering dry aged uh wagyu beef which mm. is 
interesting again and i think probably would be a very different eating experience to to what this is so it would be well, something it I definitely won't want be steak to try. again then will it i know <laughs> this, this is i mean this is my craziness and that that is but i think to keep saying about it you almost have to be a little bit crazy about it and you you just can't ex- expect the same from your butcher down the road that's hanging its beef for 28 days to produce the same as these real special breeds and there's nothing wrong with that and that's what i'm trying to say there's nothing wrong with the steak you're going to get from your butchers down the road and there's nothing bad about it yeah it's not wagyu or it's not from the isle of please help me the isle of mole or it's not a dairy cow that's been matured for 12 years and worked the worked a nice long shift for 12 years had a nice life uh it's it's not those things but it can still be superb and i think that the slight craziness of saying it's not the same or it is something else helps with that i think or it does with me anyway i don't know i guess everyone's different yeah, but, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I reckon. I feel like I was probably... having a food epiphany there. But... <laughs> Revelation. Now it's mm. seven a.m. You can get up and go and eat some more beef. Do you know what I'm actually doing? Eating beef in bed. No, I'm going to walk down to the uh, Suki Fish Market, uh, the premium fish market in the entire world. I walked down there for breakfast in the morning, but. Uh, it was a lot earlier than this. I woke up in the middle of the night to go down to watch some tuna auctions and uh, try some sushi that was fresh off the boats. And it was the most incredible fish I've ever eaten in the world. But this isn't a fish and sushi podcast, but mm. it was to die for. So I'm waking. I'm not particularly that early anymore, but I'm going to head down there now for sushi breakfast again because, I mean, the quality of fish was just extraordinary. Well, I think we'll have to name this episode probably Japan Brackets Beef. So I reckon we could have to follow up with another episode on Japan Brackets Fish. <laughs> <laughs> we could just, I mean, Japan Brackets Beef and then put hyphen beef because we always talk about the beef. I don't know. Right. Anyway, that's just my craziness. That's <laughs> a rubbish title. Let's not go with yeah. it. But, yeah. uh, yeah. yeah, cool. Thank you for having me on. That's all it's right. It's been great. Yeah, it's not like it's your podcast or anything. It's fine. Yeah. I've just noticed I looked it's... on torloiskhighland.co.uk looking at the beef because I'm obsessed with it. Now Davidson's role, he's official on there. Quality control. I want that job. Yeah, well, he, he worked up on the farm before Noala, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, in his podcast, he was telling us that that, that was his... I'm yeah, sure I, I might just be. I'm not making this up. Right? The food there. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did. He definitely worked. There. He travelled everywhere trying to find it all, didn't he? That was. I need to go back and listen again. Yeah. But he was. He was. He like went everywhere trying to find the ultimate beef, and that's where he found it, on the Isle of Mole. I know. Interesting. Maybe I need to take that journey. Yeah. 
Once you've done Japan, you go mole. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Right. Speak to you later. See you later on. Thank you. Ciao. Bye. I'm the best cook. Bye. I am. Bye. You're listening to United Q Podcast. We are brought to you by ProQ, Kamado Joe, Thermopen, and Smokewood Shack. ProQ's extensive range of bullet smokers, reverse flow, and gravity fed smokers will suit all, from the home enthusiast to the big volume caterer. Kamado Joe, the king of ceramics, is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting, or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Thermopen Instant Read Thermometers. Take the guesswork out of barbecuing with the super fast Thermopen. Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent.